0: As I said a few moments ago, we're at this incredible epistle. It's the epistle where Paul uses the word joy over 16 times. It's really an epistle of joy. And you get to see this juxtaposed to what would consider to be terrible conditions. Because when he's writing it, he's writing it from, a, he's writing it from jail. And what's powerful about this story is when you know the backstory. So we were looking in Acts 16, and we delved into the beginning of Acts 16, right up to the place where Paul's gone to that city after the Macedonian call, and he's looking for a group of believers, and he finds Lydia and some women praying on the Sabbath day. And as he begins to minister to Lydia and the women that are there, This is right where we ended last week. So, if you want anything else, you have to get the message. You can go on and live stream, you know, get the live stream off of YouTube or Facebook. But right there at that moment, right where we ended last week, Lydia is hearing the gospel. And as she hears the gospel, she submits herself and her entire household to baptism. And there's a powerful thing that happens. The church is in its infancy of being formed right there. And as it's beginning, Paul begins to move through the city. All of this you can read about in Acts 16. I'm just paraphrasing a bit of it. Paul begins moving through the city, and as he's doing that, interestingly enough, a young demonized girl who has the demonic gift of prophetic utterance, begins to attach herself to the, the company of Paul and his disciples. And everywhere Paul goes, she's there proclaiming the truth. How many know that the Bible says that the demons believe? He, they say, you, you know, he's talking about us and saying, hey, you believe you're doing well, but even the demons in hell believe. And here you have this demonic, possessed child who's proclaiming the truth about Paul, but she's doing it from the spirit of the enemy. And after a couple of days, Paul gets annoyed. <laughs> I mean, that's what the Scripture says. He, he gets a little bit out of shape. He's tired of this girl because here he is trying to share faith, and as he's sharing faith, this girl is, uh, you know, she's kind of interrupting and drawing attention to herself instead of what it is Paul's after doing. And that's where our story kind of picks up today in Philippians as we, as we look at this in the formation of the Philippian church. And I, I just felt it was so important to include uh, the book of Acts understanding. So if you'd like to turn with me, and we'll be going over to Philippians in just a little while, but if you'd like to turn to me, with me to Acts 16, that'd be a good place right there to look. And give me just a moment to get my technology stuff here all put together correctly. Yeah, we'll get it. There we go. Do that. (laughs) So here we are. Verse 18, Paul's greatly annoyed. And what does he do? He turns and he addresses the spirit. Isn't that interesting? He addresses the spirit that's in the girl. He's doing what Jesus said we're to do, right? We're to go on all the earth and proclaim the gospel, the good news. And as we do it, we're to cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, proclaim the, the year of the Lord. Amen? I, that's not enough good amen. I need a little better amen. I know I got more believers in here. No, that's what you're supposed to be doing, right? Uh-huh, that's right. We're not just churchianity people around here, right? We're people that have been formed by the power of the living God in order to do the things of God, in the, with, not just with the people of God, but with the people that need God. You with me? Now look at this. Look at this. So he's greatly annoyed, and he commanded the Spirit... I command you in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody just yell out, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That is the name above every name, friends. That's the name where activity takes place. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And that very hour, it came out. But here's the problem. This girl was being used by some businessmen. And Paul has just disrupted their economic stream. (laughs) He's just messed up one of their, their cash flow and they're not happy. And what you find next is you find them saying to to the masters who had a hope of profit, it was all gone in verse 19. They seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. They brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. They teach us customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Interesting thing here. And you'll find out this a little later in the story as well. Paul was a Roman citizen. And what they're doing right now is unlawful. It's against the Roman Constitution. Because this particular providence, this place right here, Philippi, this place was like a little Rome. And it came under all the jurisdiction of Roman law. Look what happens. The multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods. Now, stop. A couple days ago, we just had the beginning of the church, the first house church in Philippi, where Lydia and her household were saved, and and all glory was breaking loose. And just a few days later, we got ourselves in trouble. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Now remember a while ago in the in the worship service, most of you were here, right, during the worship service when I gave a little exegesis on this. And I shared with you in the midst of that prayer time and that praise time that we were going through about what happened at that moment, that, that they're praising God and giving glory to God and, and, and the prisoners are listening and the next thing you know an earthquake happens and then bam, they're all set free. But if we just stop with that story right there, we won't get the full impact of the birth of that first house church in Philippi. Because what happens next is so incredibly strategic and so incredibly, I would just have to say, so incredibly revealing of the motivation of God's heart as it comes through his apostle Paul. Is everybody with me? Are you listening? I want you to listen very carefully now as to what happens next. Notice this. Verse 27. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from his sleep, and seeing the prison doors were open, supposing the prisoners had had fled, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, do yourself no harm. We are all here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Paul, Silas, and all you crazy prisoners that were listening, what are you all doing still there? Y'all been set free. You've had your chains broken. You've been released. But you know what? They realized, because Paul, being the apostle that he was and the understanding man, he realized his freedom was not just for himself. So many times. We are so interested in getting loose ourselves, we don't realize that our freedom is not just for us to spend on ourselves, but our freedom is so that we can truly be free and liberated to do the Lord's bidding. Lord had need of him. How do we not know that that Macedonian call that Paul received a little bit before was this, not this jailer, even before he even knew what he needed, calling out saying, I have need of you to come. I hope you're hearing this, friends. I'm hoping this is penetrating deep in your heart because I'm afraid that in our consumeristic Christianity in the Western world, we think it's all about us. Even our freedom, we think it's about us. When really, it's never about us. It's always about Him and what His intent is through us, in us, as us. This has got to be the vital depth of understanding that we walk in as believers in Christ. Because this story gets better and better. I tell you, I wish they'd make a movie on this one. It's filled with so much drama and intrigue and twists and turns. And all of it's about the beginning of a house church. You see, guys, that's why I've been pressing and Pastor Claudio, our associate pastor, give him a wave right there, brother. Our Brazilian brother who came over <laughs> to help us. But but I want you to see the powerful drama that's in this because it's so cool. I I mean, from the time I first got saved when I was like 18 years old, we used to have a a little saying, a little song that we say, when you're walking with the Lord, you won't get bored. Shout hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> I, I, I mean, and I found that to be true. I find so many Christians that are bored out of their head, but the reason is they're not walking with the Lord. As I said last week, they're saved. They get just enough of God to get saved, but not enough God to get transformed into the fullness of what he's called them to. And that's where we have to be. That's where we have to allow ourselves, because that's where the fun is, guys. We get to do the stuff there. Look at this. Look at this story. It's amazing. Don't do yourself any harm. We're here. We're here. We haven't left. Because there was a greater agenda. There was a greater purpose. Oh, there was earthquake. There was rattle and shattering, chains breaking, powerful looking stuff, love it all. But notice, he called for the light. He ran in. We're talking about the jailer. He ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Woo! Woo! What was the miracle for? What was the breakthrough for? What were the chains being broken for? What were the prison doors being opened for? So a man could fall down and say of the truth, God is among you, what must I do to be saved? Ho! <laughs> oh, you see what I'm saying is your freedom's not about you. It's for others too to have a breakthrough. Oh. And I look at this, and they said, Look, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved and your household. What a bold statement, a bold word. But see, again, in our culture, especially here in Texas, we're all about independence, we're about our personal relationship. I want you to know it's about community. <laughs> Again, that's why house church is so important. So we establish community and we walk together in spiritual life together. We have journeys together. We have experiences together. We have miracles together. We have life together. I love the corporate gathering. I'm kind of built for this. You know, I, I enjoy... I enjoy the lights and the sound. and the, I mean, I'm built for it. But I realize this is not where the real work is done. This is where the celebration is about the work that's being done as you live your life unto God day after day. Hmm. If this is the highlight of your spiritual life, wow, you're living way below what God has planned for you. Look at this. I'm, I'm getting to Philippians. I think we'll get there today. If not, by the way, I have, I have kind of sad news, but I've, it's interesting. Jeff Wells won't be with us next week because unfortunately Jeff is experiencing some health issues. And I talked with his PA, uh, Glenna, a couple days ago and said it just wasn't looking good for this next week. I said, you know what, that's fine, we'll have him come back in November when he's free because I'm on a series, I'm on a roll, and I'm okay with it, I'm just going to keep on pressing on, okay? So like I've said before, I'll invite myself back next week and we'll, we'll take up wherever I don't get finished today. <laughs> Is that good? All right, notice. So he claimed, not only you're going to be saved, but your household is going to be saved. And then they they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all that was in his house. Sounds like they had another house church meeting. And he took them in that same hour of the night and he washed their stripes and immediately he and all his family were baptized. You know, we bring that baptismal tank. It's really kind of like a a feed trough. (laughs) But we bring it out here once a month so that we can honor the Scripture because the Scripture says we're to repent, to be baptized, and to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So we want to walk in the same intent that we see from the Scripture. And isn't it interesting? They didn't take them through 10 weeks of classes on baptism. (laughs) We programize everything in the church. I mean, we try try to teach people to death sometimes about stuff. They just need to get in and experience it. They need enough teaching to say yes and then to move in. (laughs) You know that's the truth. Come on, it is the truth. This is the church Jesus started. Look at this. And, and. (laughs) <laughs> and immediately he and his whole family were baptized my dad came from the church of Christ background they, they were really big in baptism and they even have a special way of saying it they go baptized they got a special way of saying it now when he had brought them to the house he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. Wow. This was the birthing of the Philippian church. This is where it happened. I don't doubt that that house church meeting already had two locations. One at Lydia's house (laughs) and one at the jailer's house. Oh, they were already multiplied and they're just a few days in. And see, friends, that's what I want for us. I want the city to be filled with houses of love, houses of power, houses of grace, houses of deliverance, houses of prayer that all, you know, go through every neighborhood and there's a house there somewhere, there's a house church that is experiencing the fullness of God and and the power of His presence and seeing people delivered and set free and baptized. We've even baptized some folks in some bathtubs. Seems like a good place for it. I mean, wherever, wherever it is when the moment comes. Had a few baptized in my pool. Oh, man, just wherever. Now, there's more to the story. And I'm, I, I'm just going to give a, a little brief thought to it that we're going to jump to Philippians. Remember I told you that Paul was a Roman citizen? Well, when the magistrates found out that they were a Roman citizen, they sent word to the jailer, said, hey, go get Paul and Silas and let them go right away. Get them out. And so once again, they come and they try to set Paul and Silas free. And you know what Paul goes? Oh, no, you don't. You're not going to send me out in the middle of the night. No, you, you arrested me in front of everybody. You're going to let me go in front of everybody because you know you did wrong. <laughs> I, mean, he's just, I mean, he's just bold, you know, like that. In fact, the church prayed for boldness. That would be bold about the right things. And this, this was a right thing. But let me tell you why he did it. There was strategy in it. It wasn't just to put the magistrate under, though. That definitely, Paul. He's got a little, uh, he's got a little uh, bit of uh, sarcasm streak in him from time to time when you read the word. I mean, he, he likes he likes putting it, putting it down. You know what I'm saying? So that's that. But that's not the real strategy, because guess what? He's birthing a church. He's birthing a church, and he knows. That when that magistrate brings them in front of the town square and publicly releases them, somebody's going to go away saying, hey, there's a power greater than what I'm experiencing right here in this governmental system. There's something that, tra- that went above that governmental system and set these guys free. He used the government to show the power of God. Wow. Wow. Turn with me to Philippians. I'm just going to take a couple of moments and finish, finish up there today. It got really quiet. I guess that's because you stopped. Why don't you continue? They're used to it now. <laughs> you could change keys because I changed books. See, that's how it flows together. Yeah, yeah, hallelujah. Can I tell you guys I love you? (laughs) Uh, For those of you that are visiting here, this has been the fun. I've been in ministry for nearly 50 years because that's about how long I've been saved. got saved in the Jesus movement. We immediately went into ministry back in the day. My first experience was living in a, like a commune with 60 other people that were just in love with Jesus wanting to follow him. But the, the beautiful thing of my life right now is pastoring this international church. If we were all here, there's probably somewhere over 60 nations that are represented in this facility. Services that are in... Seven languages, seven, eight languages. There's different, what, 12 congregations that are meeting here. And I met with another guy yesterday that wants to come. Another pastor that's from Cameroon. <laughs> so every day, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. So I, I love this. But guys, I know God has so much more for us. He didn't take me and put me here, kind of the, you know, my last hurrah or whatever it is that, that I'm in right now, my stage of life. Without this, I know this incredible dream of God's heart is that John 17 prayer would be realized in a visible dimension. That every tribe, every tongue would gather together. And they would have their respective cultures, but their cultures would be secondary to the culture of heaven. <laughs> and in Philippians, taking up where I stopped last week, verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making request for you, with joy <laughs> for your fellowship in the gospel from the first <laughs> from the first day until now remember that's what, how we jumped over to acts 16 we went to the first day we went to the first day that paul showed up there and from the first day until now look what he says being confident this is a verse lots of folks memorize being confident that this very thing, that he who began or has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I, I, I want to I stop right there for just a moment. In fact, I'm just going to, I'm going to kind of finish up right there. Come down one more time. You notice I don't have my chair today. Hallelujah. I'm okay. I'm <laughs> Actually, after preaching last week, it was on Sunday that I really felt like I was back right nearly at 100%. So I'm grateful for that. I, I really am. I know I give you guys with the cameras fits. So I'm sorry about that. I know jumping around all the time. But, but I, I, I want to... I want to center in for just a moment on this verse 6. Being confident. First of all, Paul had this absolute confidence. He was convicted to his core that what God was up to, it didn't matter what was coming, what was happening, he was able to finish it. Just look at your neighbor real quick and say, he's a finishing God. Come on, look at your other neighbor say, he's a finishing God. I want to tell you that are watching by live stream and camera this morning, he is a finishing God. And he wants to give each and every one of us a finishing anointing because he who endures until the end shall be saved. There's this finishing anointing that God wants to bring into my life. And I tell you, when you get to be my age, you know, around 67, I had a birthday just a couple of weeks ago. I tell you what, you want that finishing anointing to kick in. You want that kick lap, that energy at the end of the day. You want it to kick in so you can move on. Amen? And for those of you that are younger, that are still in your marathon, you're still, still trodden in, I want you to know there's more ahead. The, 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 the best is yet to come. There's good stuff in front of you as you continue to press into the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. But as I look at this text and look at verse 6, confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you. Let me start and say something right there. He's not talking about the cross there. There are other places that the cross is powerful because that's where it opened up for us. He's not talking about the cross there because that's the work for you. He died on the cross for you. You with me? But now he's talking about the work in you. The truth is always in the prepositional phrase, in the, in the word that connects. That's where you have to really, that's where you have to dig in to, to see because it is Christ in you that is the hope of glory. And see, here again in America, so many people are into Christianity, which is basically following after a historic Jesus and giving a mental, uh, you know, uh, acquiesce to that historical Jesus. But I want you to know, I don't know about you, but I met a living Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I met one that came to move in and live inside of me and have his life in me, through me, as me, for others. And that text says, I'm confident of the one who began a good work in you, in me. Do you mind telling your neighbor something else? Tell them this. Ready? There's something good happening in you. (laughs) Something good happening in you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. And then a key understanding to this verse, and one I'm going to break open next week, probably spend most of the day on on this part. Notice this phrase. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Here's your assignment this week. Get your concordance out, if anybody even knows what that is anymore. Google, whatever you want to do. I mean, get a Bible app, whatever it is, and start looking up all the references that have to do with the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord Jesus Christ. The day of Christ. The day of the Lord. Because there's something about that day that's coming. In fact the Bible says that there's a crown awaits for those who love the day of his appearing. So I want you to I want you to begin to press into the day because I want you to know the day is going to make a difference how you live today. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? And understanding about the day will allow you to have revelation as to what's happening in our day. Because too many people are getting their revelation from CNN and Fox News and the narrative that's trying to come across the television, which in many cases is the enemy telling his vision as he's been doing since the beginning. He found a way to transport it all over the globe. But I want you to know, what we need to know about what's happening in the day is in the book. (laughs) It's in the book. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to consider the time in which we're living. And if you happen to be among us today. And you have not yet made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior you've not yet come to the revelation of the Father's love for you I want to encourage you today could indeed be that day for you that today you could come to that place of faith in Christ and as I said earlier it's a it's a really joyous journey when you let Jesus and I'll use this colloquial phrase that uh, has been made popular through music when you let Jesus take the wheel it's an amazing ride (laughs) you know why every head is not bowed and no eyes are closed if there's anyone this morning that would say pastor you know what I came into this church today. I don't know exactly why we're here. Most people get here by Google, which is quite interesting. But I, I don't know. I don't know if Google's going to get any credit for steering people to faith. But nevertheless, there's a lot of people that come here for that. But let me just say why every head is up and every eye is open. That if you find yourself here this morning, and you. Know that things are not right with you and God. You want them to be right. You want to get into this life that you're hearing about from the Scripture. I just want to encourage you, just just quickly, just stand to your feet. And if you're watching by live stream, maybe you just stand to your feet. Anyone? I really felt, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. I really felt in my heart, you know I don't give altar calls per se every Sunday. I do it whenever I really feel the Holy Spirit is saying. And I, I think there are a couple more this morning that are here that, that, that today's a day for you to step in to a fresh life in God. He has, he has a dream and a plan and a hope for you.